اللهم لك الحمد كما ينبغي لجلال وجهك وعظيم سلطانك اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد النبي الامي وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي So there is a place about one mile south of Masjid al-Nabawi. One mile south. And we often go there when we go to Medina Munawwara because it's one of the main historical sites and even a religious site. Whenever we go to Medina Munawwara, that place is known as Quba. Rasulullah would go to Quba every single Saturday of the week. So four times a, a month, and if there was five weeks, right, then he would go five times a month every Saturday sometimes walking and sometimes on a transport to Quba would pray two raqas there and then he would return and the reason he would go there is because there's a lot of virtue narrated in the hadith about the people of Quba and even about the masjid of Quba itself because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Tawbah أَفَمَنْ أُسْسَ بُنْيَانَهُ عَلَى تَقْوَى What would you say about a masjid that was built on the foundation of taqwa? and the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meaning the people who first laid laid the first bricks of this masjid Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that their intentions were very very pure they were doing it only to seek my pleasure and for gaining the taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so this the foundation of this masjid is based on taqwa and the ridwan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so it's a very, very special masjid. So Rasulullah would always go to pray to Raqqa'ahs there. And in those times, it wasn't as easy as it is now. Now you can go from Masjid Nabwi and arrive at Quba within five minutes on our modern transportations. Five, ten minutes max. Because the roads are the road going there is straight and <clears throat> we have all the modern amenities available to us right which makes it a lot easier for us to go there but in those times there were no roads there was no modern transportation 
and Medina Munawwara, the terrain of Medina Munawwara was very, very rocky, very hilly, very craggy. It was lava rock, basically. So it was very uneven, and it, was take, it would take a lot of time to get from one place to another. So much so, that even during before the Battle of Uhud, when the people of Makkah Makkah were coming, actually not just the Uhud, also even uh, Khandaq, all those different confederate uh, tribes came upon Medina Munawar. They, they could have come from Masjid al-Quba side, from the south side, which was easier, but they didn't. They came from the north because they were just too hard. For an army, it would be too much time and too much effort. So they actually took the long route. They're coming from the south, you come in, you enter in from the south, but they're entering from the north. Right? If you're entering a city from the south, then you're entering from the south entrance into the city. Why would you go loop around the whole city, go to the north side, and then enter? Right? That wouldn't make any sense. So, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as I mentioned, had a lot of respect and even to an extent reverence for this place, Masjid-e-Quba, because of the specific ayah of quran Kareem. And I came across a hadith that proves, or at least indicates that Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu anhu did not live with the rest of his tribe. So normally in those times tribes lived in a big neighborhood. All the people from the same tribe, from the same clan lived all together. Not necessarily the whole tribe, but the whole clan at least. Because tribes were really big. That's thousands of people. Clans within a tribe would all live in the same neighborhood. And if they, were ha if they had their fortress, then they would all live in the four walls of the fortress. Wherever Banu Qainqa lived, it was not in Quba area. But we have proof or indication Abdullah bin Salam عنه, did live somewhere near Masjid Quba. So that means that he was not living near his tribe. Because there's no proof that his tribe, Banu Qainqa, was located in Quba area. We know Banu Amr ibn Auf was located in Quba area. So there's a hadith. The hadith has a weak sanad only because of one person. His name is Shihar ibn Haushab. All the rest of the narrators of this hadith are from Shaykhain, meaning they are the narrators of Bukhari and Muslim as well. That's that one person. And that Shihar ibn Haushab is not weak because he's a, a, a kathab or he has a problem in terms of his character. Right? He's a deceitful person or anything of that sort. Is because he had a bad, weak memory. Right. 
So I'm putting a lot of my weight on this hadith to say and uh, to bring up this historical point that Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu anhu was in Quba area. It's narrated by the son of Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu anhu who we mentioned had two sons. There is Yusuf and there's Muhammad. Right? Yusuf and Muhammad. So this is narrated by Muhammad ibn Abdul Salam. He says that my father said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came to us and he said, Inna Allah azza wa jal qad asna alaykum fi tuhuri khayran. Yeah, that's fine. Jazakallah khayran. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu anhu and he said inna allaha qad azza wa jal qad asna alaykum fi tuhuri khayran ya ahla quba Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has praised you in regards to your ways of cleanliness of gaining purification. Now, the word Rasulullah uses tuhur, which is not purification from physical filth or uh, impurities. It's more from impurities uh, that are more spiritually related. So when we perform wudu, Right? When we perform wudu, when we perform wudu, that's removing spiritual impurities as much as it's uh, removing what? Physical impurities. Because when you do wudu, you're washing your hands, you're washing your feet, you're washing your face. Right? So it removes spiritual impurities because even the hadith mentions that a person is performing wudu and his sins are being washed off with his wudu. So it's removing spiritual impurities. So Rasulullah is using the word tuhur, which means possibly that it's something related to wudu or something related to gaining purity for the sake of doing a good deed. Will you not tell me, O people of Quba, what is it? Rasulullah in this hadith is referring to a specific ayah of Quran Kareem in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Fihi rijalun yuhibbuna an yatatahharu wallahu yuhibbul muttahhirin There are men over there over there meaning where? in Quba in that same area where that masjid is built where? that's built on Ridwan of Allah and the taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's men there, yuhibbuna an yatataharu, who love to gain purification. 
And then he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the people who gain purification. So Rasulullah is saying that this ayah of Quran is referring to the people of Quba. And there's something that they do to gain purification that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really loves. But he doesn't know what it is. So he's asking them, what is it that you do? So they say, فَقُلْنَا يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ We said, يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ This is Abdullah bin Salam talking. He says, يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْنَا فِي التَّوْرَاتِ الْإِسْتِنْجَاءُ بِالْمَاءِ It has been written upon us in the Torah. The fact is that it's coming from the Torah, that it's coming from a holy book, means that the purpose of this gaining of purification is what? Not just physical impurity, but also spiritual impurity. Right? So, alina fit Torati al istinja'u bil ma'i. That when we go attend the call of nature, we purify ourselves using not stones or pebbles or hijara as the Arabs usually did in that time, but with water. With water. Even today, I can't say for a fact because I haven't done a survey of people asking them how they clean themselves. But it seems like there's still two parties in this world. Two groups. We have the general Muslim body that uses water to purify themselves. And then you have those who use tissue paper. That's why we ran out of tissue paper. When when the whole COVID issue outbreak happened, right? We weren't concerned with that, but the rest of the country was. Why were they concerned? Because that's how they clean themselves. Why weren't we concerned? We got well water in the house. So Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu is saying is that we were already given the order in the Torah. To use water. And the fact that Rasulullah is asking this question means that most of the people did not use water in those times. In fact, there's even a rawayah from one of the Sahaba, from the Muhajirun. I believe it's from the Muhajirun. Uh, one is from Umar and one is from Hudayfa that why would I use water? And in those times, it was not such uh, a big deal because in those times when a person went to the, attended the call of nature, it says in the ruayat that they wouldn't eat oily foods. They would eat dry stuff. And therefore, the impurities would not spread. So they could use something like a stone or a pebble to purify themselves, right? So most people did not use water. But these people of Quba and Abdullah bin Salam did. There's other rawayas which mention that Rasulullah Sallallahu saying, Ya ma'ashar al-ansar, oh the group of ansar. Because the people who lived in and around Quba area were all Ansar, 
So there seems to be a little bit of a contradiction here. But if we accept the fact that Abdullah bin Salam lived in the area, it's all clear. And we also know that the Ansar had picked up a lot of good habits from the Yahud. In fact, one of the reasons the Ansar even accepted Islam in the first place was because they had already been warned that there's a Nabi who's coming. And that's how they accepted Islam first. They said, hey, let's get to him. Let us get to the Nabi before they do, because they keep on saying, we're going to believe in him, and then when he comes, and then we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do this to you. And I said, why wait for that to happen? We'll just make bear with him first and accept Islam. And they did. And it was done. And the tables were turned on the Yehud, and they became jealous, and they never accepted but they were the cause and the reason for the Ansar to accept Islam in the first place. So if the Ma'ashar al-Ansar is referring even to the people of Quba, that they used to gain tahara through water, and they learned that from the Torah, and Abdullah bin Salam anhu was living in Quba, and Rasulullah is talking to him and he's talking to the other group and he's saying, Ya Ma'ashar al-Sar, it makes sense. In fact, in this rawah, it's very, very clear that he came to Abdullah bin Salam and he is saying that you do stinja bil ma. And then Abdullah bin Salam explained to him that yes, it's written in our books. And the Ansar rawah is referring to the fact that Abdullah bin Salam and other Yahud like him had already taught the Ansar to do the same thing. And so they were doing it, so Rasulullah addressed them in the same way. In another why he specifically, Muhammad ibn Abdullah bin Salam specifically says, Atana Rasulullah fi baytina. Rasulullah came to our house. He came to our house. He said, Inna Allah qad asna alaykum fi tuhur afala tukhbiruni. In this, this is a variant of the same rawai that I narrated, in which it's clearly saying that he came to our house. So, Abdullah bin uh, Salam who lived in the Quba area. He did not live wherever Banu Qainqa lived. And he had a strong influence over the Ansar who lived in that area amongst the other Yehud who also uh, were the neighbors of the Quba people in changing their ways of how they purified themselves which was an exception to the rule in Arabia because most Arabs didn't do it like that just like it is today most people in the world don't do it like that and if they do they've learned it from Islam so that's the story of where Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu anhu lived and was settled he was not with Banu Qainqa, right? There's another man. His name was Mukhayriq. Mukhayriq. Who also did not live. He was from Banu Qainqa, from the same tribe as Abdullah bin Salam, but he did not live with them. So not in the same neighborhood, not in the same area. This Mukhayriq, also accepted Islam. 
He was also from the Yehud. He was also from the Yehud. And Banu Qaynqa was his family. But the fact that he didn't live with them and Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu anhu did not live with them. And they both accept Islam tells us that living separately from their tribes allowed them to make independently good choices about accepting Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Right? You have a good environment, it'll, allow, it'll help you, motivate you, influence you in making good choices. Whether that good environment is your family or a community of people that are not related to you. And likewise, the other way around, you have an environment, but of a family that's terrible and they're all headed the wrong way. You have to do Salah Rahmi. But Salah Rahmi doesn't mean you have to live with them. If they're going to influence you in a bad way to make bad and wrong choices. That's the main point that I wanted to make here. Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu lived with Quba. He had a good influence over the people. But he himself was not being influenced by his own tribe because they didn't live with him and he didn't live with them. That's not to say that if you're going to live separate, you're always going to make a good choice. No, you still could make a wrong choice. But there's, if you have some independence in your thinking, right? And you can think for yourself, and you have a good qalb salim a good heart, then likelihood is you'll be steered the right way if you have a good environment around you. You'll have positive influence. And even if you have a good heart, and you have a good mind, and you're independent, but the influence is too overwhelming, the negative influence, then you end up making wrong choices. Right? That guy named was his that Balam Ba'ur. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed an ayah of Quran about him. He was a really, really pious man. But his problem was his family and his wife. who kept on pushing him to do the wrong thing. Right? Pushing him to do the wrong thing until he went to Jahannam. So this Mukhayriyat, he's also from Banu Qaynqa, and it's narrated by Ibn Shahab al-Zuhri. That Mukhayriyat, he was a Yehudi min Baqaya Bani Qaynqa. He was from the people who stayed behind after Banu Qaynqa was exiled from Medina Munawwara. And Waqidi says he was Ahadu Bani Nadir, but he was actually from Banu Qaynqa. فَآمَنَ بِرَسُولِ اللَّهِ And he believed in Rasulullah on the day of Uhud, he came to the Yehud. He said, Ala tansuruna Muhammadan Will you not help Muhammad You know that helping him is haq because he's on haq because he's a Nabi of Allah. 
قالو اليوم السبت اٹ سیٹرڈے اٹ سیٹرڈے سو سیٹرڈے میننگ در از سیبتھ اٹس دا سیبتھ اینڈ دے کوڈن ورک آن دا سیبتھ رائٹ دے کوڈن ڈو اینی تھنگ آن دا سیبتھ سو دس واز در ایکسکیوز فار ناٹ ہیلپنگ رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم سو رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم سر فلا سبت لکم There is no Sabbath for you today. You're just making excuses. There's no Sabbath. Sabbath is a religious day. And this is a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And your religion is telling you he's a Nabi of Allah, you should follow him. What is the Sabbath Sabbath you're talking about? Right? You're following the Sabbath because... Your religion requires it, but your religion is also telling you that he's a Nabi of Allah. You're accepting this part, but you're rejecting that part. So you take what you like. You believe in some part of the book and reject the other parts of the book. So he said, He took his sword and he went off with Rasulullah And he fought until he was, ki- he was killed. But before he died, he said, Amwali ila Muhammad yada'uha haythu yasha'u. My wealth is all for Muhammad So basically, he's handed over all his wealth, not to his family, not to his tribe, not to his people, but to Rasulullah And he can do with it whatever he wants. And Mukhairiq was a very wealthy man. He owned seven estates. In Wafa'ul Wafa', Alama Sumhodi has even given the names of each estate that he owned, which he had given to Rasulullah. Transferred in the name of Rasulullah. There's even a rawaya, though it's a daif rawaya. He said, Mukhairiq sabiqu Yahud wa Salman sabiqu Faris wa Bilal sabiqu al-Habasha. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, Mukhairiq is one of the first of the Yahud, meaning sabiq, meaning the winners of Yahud. Just like Salman is a sabiq of Faris, the first of the Faris to accept Islam. And Bilal is a sabiq, the first of the people of Habasha to accept Islam. The names of these seven estates were, and I don't know if I can pronounce them properly, because I don't know how they're pronounced. Barqa, number one. Maythab, number two. Safiya, number three. A'waf, number four. Hasna or Husna, number five. Dilal, number six. In those times, they used to name their estates and their villas with names. Even their swords and their horses and their camels had names. Right? Hills and valleys and roads had names. Right? We name our roads. They used to name their hills and their valleys and their mountains. Right? They used to name everything. So they had names even for their estates and their villas. So these are some of the names. And, Mashrabatu Ummu Ibrahim. So, You know that one of Rasulullah's uh, wives or was Maria 
Qibtiyah. And with her, Rasulullah had a son, Ibrahim radiallahu anh. Right? Maria Qibtiyah. Or she was her, his maid servant, right? And with her he had a son whose name was Ibrahim radiallahu anh, who was buried in Jannatul Baqi. He lived for 17, 18 months max. He passed away. So Maria Qibtiya did not live in Masjid in uh, Medina Munawwara, where Masjid al-Nabwi is now. She lived in Quba area. And she lived in one of those places that was given by Mukhiri to Rasulullah That was known as Mashraba. It was basically like a house with one or two rooms. That's it. It was small. And it was in the Quba area. And that's where she would live. And when Rasulullah there's a riwayat that mentioned that when Rasulullah wanted to go meet his son Ibrahim, who was with his mother, he would go all the way to Quba, as he did every week, but sometimes he went separately too. And sometimes the Sahaba would go along with him and then Rasulullah would play with Ibrahim, right? Kiss him, love him, play with him. And then he would come back to Medina Munawwara. Right? I've seen pictures of that mashraba from the old times. Now it's been leveled, raised to the ground. Just as many of the historical sites have been leveled, that's one of those. But, the, but obviously the land, the property is... People, if you, the people who know if you go there, they'll tell you this was where the mashraba of Umm Ibrahim was. Maria Qibtiya. Radiyallahu ta'ala anha. Anyhow, this is uh, Jummah. It is the last Jummah, and it may be even the last day of Ramadan. And we already mentioned that the last few sa'at of Jummah are the most blessed, and it, can, it has a time in which du'as are guaranteed acceptance. So there's many virtues of devoting our time right now to du'a, and to the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to any other uh, form of ibadah we want to do. But certainly for, for making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for ourselves, for our families, for our communities. And of course for the whole ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi So instead of talking we should take that time to make a lot of dua. It's Jummah. It's the last Jummah of this Ramadan. right? And then it's the last Sa'at of Jummah day. We'll end with this inshallah ta'ala and uh, hopefully we'll have one more day but if we don't I know the kids don't want one more day but if we have one more day Alhamdulillah whatever Allah subhanahu wa wishes we'll continue this session. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati wa salamun ala al-mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen jazakumullah khairan